Welcome to Faithful Innovation. I'm Tina Jason. I love learning about the way God's love motivates how people serve the world. Hearing authentic personal stories deepens my understanding of how God transforms regular work and everyday encounters into acts of grace. Join me as I seek out ordinary people in cities, suburbs, small towns, and rural places who are doing extraordinary things. The goal? To inspire a wholesome expression of faith in your life, ministry, or business. Ashley Daniel is a church musician, music educator, writer, and creative entrepreneur. She has a BA in music from the University of Georgia and a master's degree and PhD in music education from the Eastman School of Music. Ashley teaches piano and writes a blog for church musicians and music educators where she creates and shares practical digital resources and online training courses to help people in their music ministry and teaching. She lives in Rochester, New York with her husband, Steve, and their rescue dog, Rory. Ashley, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. So happy to be here. As we get started, would you share your faith background growing up? Sure. My first memories of growing up and being involved in church was a small Episcopal church in Georgia. Um, The music director there actually became my piano teacher for a few years, and I had lots of opportunities to kind of experience music and worship and the connection of those two things from a young age. I sang in the children's choir. I was married in the Christmas pageant. I learned about communion and prayers of the people and the liturgy and the patterns of worship. And we left that church when I was 11 and then moved to a suburban United Methodist church. And that's the church I really feel like I grew up in, but I feel like my roots are still kind of Episcopalian in a way. Um, And when we joined the Methodist church, I actually joined the adult choir because they didn't have a youth choir at that time. And because I could read the music, I could read the part. Um, I was confirmed in that church. I started doing some accompanying at the time. I took organ lessons as a high school student. I taught children's choir. I became uh, the music librarian and volunteered on Wednesday afternoons in the music ministry. So I got a lot of really um, great practical experience through those years, Um, obviously developing my faith all along that journey, but also experiencing what it was like to serve in in ministry in a way as well. And all this while at home, we were doing Bible studies and praying together as a family in the mornings and at night. We were reading our Bibles on our own and reading devotionals and things like that. Um, So we had a very rich um, faith life growing up, my family. And I knew from the age of probably 13 or so that God was calling me into ministry of some sort. Could you describe what you're doing now and how the experiences along the way have helped to shape that? Well, I think I've always felt led to write and document things in my life. I've kept journals and scrapbooks and I keep a book of favorite quotes as I read now today. Um, This has kind of become a way for me to like look back on my life and see God at work even. Um, So when I first started my blog, um, as Tina mentioned at the beginning, I write a blog for church musicians and music educators. And when I first started it, it was a way of documenting things for myself and reflecting on things I was learning. Um, And then after a few years of just sharing things I was creating for my own ministry and teaching, I realized that this was a way to bless and serve others who were called to this same type of work. So I'm still writing on my blog, but my focus has shifted away from viewing it as a space for me to creating a space for other people, for other church musicians and music educators, where they can come for 
inspiration and ideas and tools that will help them in the work that they do. Um, so in addition to just writing posts and articles, I've also started creating some digital resources, templates and workbooks and things like that, and a few online training courses too to help people in where, whatever they're doing, ministry or music education. And all of this, I think, was shaped by my own experiences growing up in the church and watching my teachers and music directors at church at work, um, learning about church music ministry and music teaching and learning and recognizing that there are a lot of churches out there with limited access and limited resources and finding ways to reach the people that are serving in those places and support them and really equip them for the work that they're doing. So I know what that's like to not have a budget and just be kind of scrapping things together <laughs> and just building your own thing. And that's, I mean, that's where the blog really came from is I was in a tiny church without a lot of resources and I was starting a children's choir from scratch that they hadn't had a program there in 15 years. They didn't have a line item in the budget for it. And I just kind of pieced together, you know, stuff I had seen and done before, things that I knew I could just kind of create myself. I wrote my own curriculum. I pulled music from the hymnal, you know, free things that I could find um, and just kind of pieced together um, so for that first year. And then we kind of uh, built a little budget for the second year and kind of got it going. So. Mm -hmm. What are you learning in the process as you're writing and sharing this information with people? I think... Um, like I said, the, there's something special about the small churches and the lack of access to things that I think my heart kind of goes out to the people that are serving in those places and wanting to reach them and wanting to help them do their best work and give them the tools and resources that they can use in those settings that are not just intended for the big churches with all the, the resources and all the people even. You know, what can you do with... Um, six handbell ringers or fewer, you know, instead of the people who have 15 to 20 handbell ringers in their group. Um, you know, how, how do you create music and um, still create meaningful worship experiences with limited resources? Um, and that's kind of been something I, I've had to learn by going through it myself, by being in those small churches for periods of time and kind of understanding what that's like to have those limited resources and then be creative with that. Um, so that's kind of something I try to focus on in, in my work is making sure that what I'm creating and putting out there um, reaches those smaller and maybe kind of underserved churches as well as the larger churches. Mm -hmm. What are you hearing back from people who access your resources? That's one of my favorite parts of growing this business is getting to hear from people that have kind of just stumbled upon my blog, Googling something and they, and they find an article and then they click around and they find more articles and more things that they can use. Um, and then they take the time to send me an email or comment on something and say, you know, how practical this is, or I, I use this tonight with my choir and they loved it, or my handbell ringers are going to play this on Sunday. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, it just makes what I do and what I share feel worthwhile. It feels like I'm doing something that is adding value to not only these individuals that are serving, but also um, the ministries and their congregations and their churches. I feel like I'm uh, playing a little part in their ministry as well. I'm kind of partnering with them in that work that I care so deeply about. And that's just so rewarding. And I, I feel so fortunate to say that that's my job, <laughs> that I get to do that. Um, it's been really wonderful. And I want to say thank you. Uh, you know, I think those who are called into equipping ministries 
who serve those that are on the front lines. I mean, you're on the front lines too, but then to be able to take what you're learning and share it with others and encourage and equip others that ultimately has a kingdom impact is, is such a blessing. So thank you. Thank you. So sometimes when we think about ministry, we can think of it just within the context of the local church. And I think about the way God is so creatively helping people start businesses that are kingdom-minded ventures that may not even be nonprofits. They may be for-profit businesses, uh, but they have kingdom purposes. Uh, you, the way your business connects to ministry is very direct, but maybe if you could just describe how you think about your business through that lens. Sure. Well, I built my blog and my business on and around church music ministry and informed by all those foundational experiences that I had growing up and watching my music directors at work and learning from them and just observing how they how they approached that type of work, how they approached ministry and the, the different mindset that they had for that kind of work versus teaching in the community or doing other kinds of music related work, how being a musician in a church setting was different. I learned so much just from watching people in my life growing up. Um, So faith plays a a pretty prominent role in the work that I do today and the way that that I write and the resources that I share, uh, the resources that I curate, um, particularly when I'm writing something about worship or planning worship or choosing music for worship. Everything is through that lens of what creates really meaningful worship experiences from my perspective and from my experiences, because I know that there are different approaches to that and people will have um, different ideas about, you know, what works in worship and what doesn't. Um, Obviously there's a variety of musical styles out there that all create meaningful worship experiences. So I tried to use my own experiences and things that I've seen others do, and I, but, I, but I curate it through my own lens of what, what I feel um, works well in worship and creates those meaningful experiences for the people that come. Um, I always try to write and share things that will inspire and uplift people in the work that they're doing, knowing that most of the people that come to my site and to read my blog are in ministry of some form. And so I try to write in a way that will point them back to God and will nurture their faith in some way as well. Um, I do that through my newsletter each month and just in the content that I share. It's always through this lens of how does music work in a church setting? How does, how do we teach in a church setting and how is that different from being in a community or a school setting? And how might you describe that difference? I think one of the, the biggest things for me is the, the spiritual growth piece of it. As a choir director, whether you're working with children or youth or adults or a mix of ages with an intergenerational group, um, you are a spiritual leader as, as much as you are a music educator when you're working in a church setting. And so there are things that you would incorporate into your rehearsals that you wouldn't use in a school setting, a school choir rehearsal or um, a community choir rehearsal. So I always encourage people to pray with their groups, um, either start with prayer or end with prayer or both, um, to ask for prayer requests, especially if you're working with an adult group, to give a little bit of time, maybe every week, maybe not every every week, but giving them that space where they can come together and kind of build a community that's a little deeper, that has a little bit stronger roots than maybe just a community choir might have. Um, and you can do this really maybe easily and more easily in a smaller 
church setting where maybe you have a smaller group of people that are coming together for your rehearsals versus the larger churches that have so many people, it would be kind of cumbersome to have open prayer request time. It might, you know, go on longer than you feel is appropriate, but giving people a way to just share parts of their lives and to kind of partner with each other on that journey together and, and know that we're all here and we all have this shared purpose that we're working towards and it's outside of ourselves. It's something greater than ourselves and we're all working together to bring that to light. And we have a powerful message that we have to share, that we have the opportunity to share with the congregation on Sunday mornings through the words that we sing. And that's ministry. That's giving of yourself. You're being a vessel for what God has to say to the people that come on Sunday morning. And what a privilege and an opportunity that is. That paints such a picture as you describe it. Some of the words that stood out to me was community and developing that community, but also within the context of that, the thought process of it's not just the music piece, but also attending to people's spiritual growth in the context of music and where that commonality has brought people together. Ashley, I'm wondering what you're learning about other people as you lead both in the church and lead in your business. That's a great question. Um, There are so many people who are on the same journey, I think, of starting and building online businesses right now. Photographers and artists and online marketers and graphic designers and people in all sorts of different creative fields. And I've found that community of creative entrepreneurs to be so generous with their time and their skills and their knowledge, things that they've learned that as someone who's like learning how to run a business, how to build a business, I didn't set out for my blog to become a business, but it's grown into that. And so it's been such a gift to learn from and with these other creative entrepreneurs and just to feel like I'm not alone in this. It is an amazing community of people. I'm wondering what you're learning about yourself. As you said, sometimes we're unlikely entrepreneurs, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) So I'm wondering about what you're learning about yourself as you go forward. One of the biggest things that I'm learning lately is that I can overcome failure. And I've spent so much of my life being afraid of failure. And maybe that's being a number one on the Enneagram, or maybe that's uh, being a musician. And we're always striving for excellence and practice makes perfect. And all of those mantras we say to ourselves that I've spent a lot of time being afraid of failing and what others will think of me if this didn't go as planned or if this didn't go as I had planned, even if no one else knew about that. I was actually reading a chapter in Love Does by Bob Goff earlier this week. And I don't know if it was chapter three or four, early in the book, he's talking about his massive failure as a high school student, his first job. And he talked about how God intentionally guides us into failure. And that phrase just jumps off the page to me as I was reading it. And that's how we learn and grow. Um, And I don't want to be afraid of that. I don't want to be afraid of learning and growing and becoming a better person and becoming who God wants me to be. So I'm realizing through this journey that I am more resilient than I thought and that failing, even if they're just small little failures that only I know about, is just a a really important part of the process. Mm. And in that process of overcoming failure, what are you learning about God? God is faithful, always. And I know that's something that we hear a lot and we say a lot, but I think sometimes it takes looking back on the past several years of your life to actually see it for yourself. 
before, you know, I could claim it as a promise. I could see evidence of it in other people's stories and other people's lives. But now I can actually start to look back on my own life and see how God's faithfulness is woven into the story that he's writing with my life. And the steadiness, the assurance, the patience that he's cultivating in me to really trust in his timing and his provision. If you're comfortable, is there a particular circumstance where you could paint a picture and help us understand better what you're talking about more specifically? Sure. My blog and my business um, started out as something that I was just doing for myself as a way of kind of documenting my ministry, my teaching, what I was learning. And over the years, it's grown into be something that I realize is serving other people. And in a way, it's also become a way um, for God to still give me a way to serve in ministry, even when there weren't opportunities available for me to do that in a local church. It's something that I I care so deeply about, like I said before, um, but there haven't always been opportunities based on, you know, where we're living at the time or what else is going on, where, where there are jobs available for music ministers um, to be involved in a local church. And so during those times and seasons, like the season that I'm in now, actually, um, God has provided this blog and business as a way for me to still be connected to that work, to still feel like I'm serving in ministry in some way, even though I'm not serving just one local church. I feel like I, I am involved in a lot of different music ministries in all different churches, all different sizes, all different denominations. I feel like I am able to contribute to the work that those people are, are doing in their congregations and in, in their churches, which is such a gift and not something that I could have ever anticipated or predicted. Um, but that is, is one prominent example for me right now where I can definitely see and trace God's faithfulness through the years, cultivating that and building that up and just, again, giving me um, a sense of assurance and, and patience in trusting in his timing for those things. In this interesting sort of way, it, it's almost like the door to one place closes so that the door to multiple places opens up. Yeah. It, it's such a way of multiplying uh, what we can bring to the larger church through this blessing of online resources. What would you say the, the biggest lesson is that you've learned, either as a musician leading in the church or someone leading in your business? Well, uh, I'm still learning, I think, what it means to be a great leader. Um, but I think that one thing I've learned is that you have to stay in your own lane. When you're given the opportunity and the responsibility, really, to lead others, whether it's just a few people in person or whether it's a, a larger following online, you have to know where you're going and you have to stay focused on how to get there. And I will be the first to say that I easily get sidetracked by what, by what other people are doing. And it's easy to switch gears in your own life as a result and think you should be chasing after this because that's what other people are doing. Or maybe you should be focusing over here because that's what these people are doing. But I think the best thing that I can do as a leader is just to be steady and be relaxed and be confident in the way that I'm going and trust in my own process for things that it's going to look different maybe than what other people's jobs look like, what their businesses look like. And we may not be taking the most efficient route to our destination, but maybe that's not the point. Maybe we're taking the scenic route. Who knows? <laughs> that's a really pretty way to put it. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the scenic route personally. <laughs> I think that's a, a statement I'm going to put up on, on my wall that sometimes I need to take the scenic route. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really have a belief that the best ministry, and when I say that is, I mean, in the ways that we serve other people and the ways we encourage other people in their relationship with God comes out of our own relationship with God. And I wonder if you could describe the ways that you attend to and cultivate your own relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I do think that plays such a big role in our leadership style and the way that we approach ministry in particular. Um, I, last month, this is October, right? So September, I did the gospel challenge that Hannah Brencher, I think is how she says her name, was doing online. She is an author. She's written a few books. If you read this letter and come matter here, I think is her latest book. And she challenges herself every September to read the gospels. And she focuses on one gospel each week. And if you finish it within the week, go back and start over. Or, um, you know, you kind of develop your own reading plan for that. But um, this is the first time I'd ever done some kind of challenge, Bible reading challenge like that, at least in a long time. And it was, it was fresh and new. And I read the gospels that I've read, you know, however many times, numerous times with new eyes. And I kind of appreciated the differences in the writing styles between each of those four authors. Um, So I think doing something like that every so often, just to kind of freshen things up in your own spiritual life. Um, I've been writing some liturgies and some prayers recently, just as kind of an outpouring of my own heart and things that I am feeling. Um, And I don't know what I'm going to do with those at some point. Maybe I'll share them. Um, I've shared some things like that in the past on my blog with other people as a resource. Here are some prayers that you could pray with your choir that are timely. Liturgies with, um, you know, handbell underscores or things like that to kind of bring new life into worship. I'm working on some projects like that. So those feel like maybe not not as work-related as some of the other writing and things that I do because they, they do feel like they are coming directly out of my own spiritual life. It is my own spiritual practice to sit and, and write out a prayer or a litany or something that, that is designed to be spoken as a group and shared as a, as a group of fellow believers. So often I find for myself that uh, what fits in my work bucket and what fits in my own spiritual nurture bucket are often interwoven. Yeah. um, The best work-related stuff has come out of my own, what just has birthed out of me that Mm -hmm. then I could look back and say, oh, I can use this here. But it was really something that I feel like God and I worked on as as we were in conversation around the word or prayer or whatever, it wasn't as if I was trying to create something. It just birthed and then was useful. So right, I love that. Uh, often in ministry, the lines blur a little bit. Thinking about younger people that you serve also, our world has changed so much. Um, I was born in the early 1960s and, you know, our climate is so different now than when I was young. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering from your perspective what it looks like to nurture faith in Jesus and a walk with Jesus with the younger generations. Wow, that's a great question. I think it depends on your setting. If you're working with a group of children at once or if you are working with them one-on-one, I think my experiences right now, I'm 
the teaching that I'm doing is one-on-one with piano students, and most of them are younger. Um, so I think a key, a key thing that, that I can do and that I try to do is just to take an interest in them, to just have those conversations. And you can do this if you have a group of kids coming at the same time, you know, as they come in, just greet them by name and ask them how their day was or have some kind of a prompt, a question that you ask, you know, what was uh, one way that you served someone today and see what they answer or someone's a way that someone served you and what, what do they say. Um, to listen to their stories and to make yourself available when they have questions to, you know, create that feeling of um, safety and you can come and talk to me about things or um, if you have something exciting that you want to share, like I want to hear about it. I want to hear about what's going on in your life. Um, and I think also to hear about the struggles that they're facing, to, to listen to things that they are kind of grappling with or trying to understand about the world or about people. Um, and also to encourage them with specific words that they can really take to heart. Um, whether that is, you know, in a piano lesson, something about the music that they just played, um, you're giving specific feedback or encouragement about that, or as a choir, the way that they just sang something or the meaning behind the words that they're singing, how you take a moment to kind of have a little devotional and talk about that. Um, and I think, too, just demonstrating what kindness looks like, what empathy looks like, what it means to show someone grace or to live graciously. I feel like with my piano students, we have very brief weekly interactions like you would have, I guess, in a children's choir setting, too. But hopefully those, ha those moments have a lasting impact. So you're learning about music and, in my case, playing the piano, but you're also learning about emotions and feeling and empathy and you're experiencing music from a variety of different periods and places and cultures, and hopefully that informs the way that these children think and act towards those who are different from them. I think we learned about collaboration and creativity and generosity through those group music-making experiences. Um, and I think, too, learning about hard work and dedication and that they can apply those skills in other areas of their lives in the future. So I'm hearing both music education, character development, spiritual development uh, that starts to paint maybe a perspective of the world that's much broader than a specific skill, mm -hmm. uh, as in music. One of my goals with this podcast is to encourage people who might be feeling a nudge from God to do something. It, it may be starting a business. It may be just stepping into volunteerism at their church. It might be inviting neighbors into their homes, whatever range of, of things God might be nudging someone to do and being more intentional of in their lives. And how might you encourage someone who's feeling that nudge and feeling timid about it? Hmm. I've been there. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like it's hard to know when God is speaking, but there's so much noise in our world today. And so sometimes we question it maybe for a little while, like, is that you, God? Are you sure? Did you really say that? Um, so in that situation, if you're feeling timid and maybe uncertain about, is this God's voice? Is this what I'm supposed to do? Because I think when you, when you recognize it as God calling you to do something, there's maybe a sense of peace that comes over you with that. Like, yes, I'm equipped. I'm ready. God is calling me to do this. And it's still scary and intimidating. Um, but there's also this sense of courage to move forward. Um, before that point, though, sometimes there's this 
this level of uncertainty or um, fear. And I would say at that point to just give yourself time and space to listen and be open, to just really sit with open hands, um, even if it makes you feel vulnerable or anxious or afraid, to keep a journal maybe of what you feel God is leading you to do, what you think God might be saying or asking of you, and then look for ways that he might be speaking into your life through other people, through things that you read, through things that you know, cross your path that kind of confirm or strengthen that call. Open your Bible and listen for words of encouragement through that, words of affirmation, again, pointing you down the same path in the same direction. Uh, and then finally, share your fears and insecurities with someone who you consider to be a trusted friend and maybe ask them to pray for wisdom for you as you decide what your next steps will be. Are you going to jump right in? Are you going to take it slow? You know, what is God calling you to do and how is he calling you to respond? I hear the voice of experience in that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to circle back before we close to thought of, of reading the Gospels. I'm wondering in this season of, of reading through the Gospels with, with the new eyes, as you describe, was there any particular thing that really jumped out to you as you did that challenge? Yeah, I think Hannah encouraged all who were taking part in this challenge to not study every word and go look up the root word in Greek and, you know, try to micro translate everything. Um, but instead just to read it as you are reading a book and to focus on Jesus in each gospel, how each author portrays him and, and the light that he's painted in. And it was really interesting to see how the different authors talked about him and which ones spent a lot of time writing down everything that Jesus said and which ones spent time writing down everything that Jesus did. Some were much more action-oriented and some were much more word-oriented. And, and this is how he spoke and this is what he said. And, and then in a different gospel, it would be, this is what he did. This is his action. This is um, the steps that he took. And he just did it. He didn't say anything, according to the author. There's no words. He just did. And I think that was, that was really enlightening to me. I'd never compared how Jesus is, is talked about or written about in the different gospels. But just to think as a whole, all four of the Gospels together, that portrait of Jesus that's painted, and what that would look like today. What would Jesus do if he lived in our world today? How would he act? What would he say? Who would he spend time with? Who would he um, really minister to? Who would he reach out to? And, and how would he interact with them? And that is something that I've carried with me since then, just kind of a change in perspective, looking at people that I come into contact with, people that I know and people that I don't know, and thinking, what would Jesus do in this situation? It's really interesting. A few years ago, I was leading a, an urban ministry, and for about two years, I, all of my devotional reading, I only read the Gospels hmm. through the lens of, I just want to follow Jesus and really get a sense of how he interacts with people. I'm just going to follow and see what happens. And the thing that stood out to me the most that was fresh, I mean, there, there were a lot of things that were just confirmation of what I knew, okay. but the, the aspect that really stood out to me in that season was how many people walked away mm -hmm. and Jesus didn't chase them down. He didn't berate them. He didn't try to convince them. He deposited the seeds of grace, those seeds of faith that Jesus does and let that germinate. Some of those, and I think about Nicodemus in particular at the beginning of John, 
uh, we see him there. You don't hear again of Nicodemus until the burial of Jesus. So mm-hmm. it's it really became so, I guess, my awareness that those seeds of faith and seeds of grace that we deposit in people, sometimes they need more time and experiences to germinate to where we may see the fruit of that. Mm-hmm. And I think what it cultivated in me was just a patience to say we come in and out of people's lives and experiences, sometimes just for a a single interaction or a season, and to impart whatever we can in grace and trust the Holy Spirit to do what only God Mm -hmm. can do. That's so good, yeah. Ashley, I want to thank you for the ministry that you lead and thank you for joining me today and sharing your experience. I pray that it will encourage someone who's listening to step forward in whatever God might be calling them to do. Thank you so much, Tina. So grateful for this opportunity to talk with you today. Ashley's passion for music and worship led her to serving in many roles in the church, which developed in such a way where she now seeks to serve and bless others through her journey. As she said, she began sharing what she was learning in her roles of leading music and church, initially through her blog as a repository for herself, which then people started to discover and use. You can hear her love for God and the depth of her devotional life. I've come to believe that the best ministry comes from this place, where one's love for God is experienced through a rich spiritual life and is lived out through compassion for other people that is fueled by God's love. This is the foundation that enables a person to touch a lot of lives. In each episode of this podcast, I offer a question for you to consider. When Ashley was talking about the practices in her family, reading the Bible and discussing God's Word, I wondered about the ways God has shaped you over the years. What personal practices enrich your relationship with God? We have a Facebook group, the Faithful Innovation Lab, where you have the opportunity to engage in conversation around these questions. So come on over, join the group, share your response, and find some encouragement. Everything we've mentioned in this episode can be found at faithfulinnovation.com. Just enter Ashley in the search and it will come right up. And if you're enjoying these conversations, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating or review on iTunes. It helps other people find us. Now make it a great day and find your unique way to share the love of God with the people you encounter. Bye for now.